With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Oh, it's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better welcome inside the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke. We're hanging out with you guys over the next three hours to get you set for two Elite Eight games on this Sunday, March 27th. An absolutely fantastic day in the sports world, and we want to hear from you guys throughout these three hours. So make sure to tweet at the show, at VEASAN Live on Twitter, at Skating Tripods is where you can find Adam at Femi Abebefe is where you can find me coming up on the show. We go to South beach where it's all about the U Haley Sutton sports anchor and reporter for NBC six in Miami will join us at nine 45 to talk all things Canes as they take on top seed Kansas later this morning, a full breakdown of both elite eight games as it's the final Sunday. Like I mentioned of the men's college basketball season, we'll react to the two games we saw yesterday with Duke and Villanova punching their tickets to the final four in New Orleans, and I'll ask Adam about some hypothetical lines for next Saturday's Final Four showdown. Our road to the NFL draft takes us to the Rocky Mountains where the Broncos have a new quarterback, but what will they do in the draft? We'll discuss to start the second hour, but first, Adam Burke, what's happening, man? Good to be here, Femi. Always fun to chat with you here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's, going to be a good day here, I think, in the Elite Eight, and also, too, I mean, look, I know that they were talking about it in the previous show, and a lot of people have been talking about it. Not 
really the Elite Eight Sunday that we expected to see, but that's what makes this tournament so great. Yeah, it's not the sexiest matchups on paper, but intriguing matchups nonetheless, and we can bet on them, which makes them even more intriguing. Those lines right now, Kansas at BetMGM, five and a half point favorites, total 145 and a half. North Carolina, they're laying eight and a half against St. Peter's, the 15 seed in the Elite Eight for the first time in tournament history, the total 137 and a half. We'll have all the time to break down those games, but first, let's react to what we saw yesterday, and yesterday, the game last night, the nightcap, Duke defeating Arkansas 78 to 69. Duke goes ahead and covers the spread, closed about four, three and a half, depending on where you shop. Game goes under the total of 147 and a half. Some total drama there at the end with Arkansas choosing not to foul. Coach K is now punches ticket to a 13th final four as Duke. 5-1 to one to win that West region before the tournament. That ticket cashes yesterday as well. But your thoughts with the Blue Devils now in the national semifinals. Yeah, you know, look, I, I give Duke a lot of credit because, you know, they've played some teams that they were vulnerable against. You know, they played against Michigan State team that was very, very good from three. They managed to survive that game, playing really well in the last five minutes of the second half. And this is a Duke team that they've had some difficult matchups here, maybe not by seed line or overall strength or anything like that, mm-hmm. but just because their perimeter defense is so bad. Yesterday against Arkansas, they finally matched up really well against the team because Arkansas cannot shoot the three, does not shoot long twos well, and we saw that play out here throughout the game where Duke was in control throughout. Yeah, no, Duke, to me, it feels like they've grown up along this way because everyone talking about this Duke team when they lost to North Carolina, then the showing in the ACC tournament championship game, and the fact that they have cleared all these hurdles here really speaks to how they've matured throughout this process here. I mean, A.J. Griffin goes for 18 points. He was the leading scorer for the Blue Devils. Paulo Bancaro, another uh, stat-stuffing day there. 16 points, 17 boards, 3 assists. But how about Mark Williams, their big guy? 12 points, 12 rebounds, solidifying himself as a lottery pick in the NBA draft. I think he's going to be a terrific center at the next level. But he's really been kind of the linchpin to that defense and what he's been able to do on the interior. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's such an important thing. You know, we talk all the time about guard play in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament and the importance of that. And don't get me wrong, it's critically important. And we'll talk about a Miami team where their guard play has been exceptional, and that's why they've gotten to this point. But also having that big guy, you know, not only just that offensive presence, but as you mentioned, that defensive presence. And particularly in a game like that against a team like Arkansas that, as I said, does not shoot well from the outside. If you can clog up the middle against a team like that, then you're able to have success. That's precisely what Duke did. And, and to your point, I mean, look, this is – not an inexperienced Duke team, but it's also not that experienced. And and when you go through the regular season and you know you're going to be a tournament team, it's a lot different. It's a lot different to get up for some of those games, to be at your best. Then you get to this tournament, and if you're the least bit galvanized and you're this talented – it shows, and that's why Duke's been able to get to this point. Yeah, I think that's the, the least bit galvanized is an interesting way to put it there because I think a lot of people ignored the fact that this was a really talented basketball team. Like, they have four first-round picks has been the, kind of the sentiment throughout this season here, and it was just surprising to me to see so many people write them off before the tournament and on Selection Sunday when that bracket revealed. I mean, Seth Davis of CBS, the biggest Duke lover of all, and not to just call him out here, but he said, he's like, oh, Davidson's going to beat him, Davidson's going to go to the Sweet 16. I was like... Hold on. <laughs> like, guys, like I've wa- I haven't watched much Davidson, but I've watched a lot of Duke, and I get the defensive struggles that they had. But, like, they're still a really good team. They beat Kentucky. They beat Gonzaga both on neutral floors. Like, the ceiling of this team was national title good. The fact that so many people kind of threw them away just because of how they performed in the ACC tournament, to me, was just kind of mind-boggling almost. Right. No, I agree. I, I will say I would have loved to see them play Davidson. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that game would have went for them because I mentioned already their perimeter defense is so bad and Davidson's such a great jump shooting team. Yeah. But what was really important for me yesterday with Duke is that 
they played well for the entire game. You know, when they played against Texas Tech, for 30 minutes, they were a pretty pedestrian team in that game. Played really well in the second half of the second half. Yeah, shot up 70% scored, or something. Right, like they didn't miss a shot in the last seven and a half minutes or something like that. And then, as I mentioned, the game against Michigan State, 1.8 points per possession in the final 5-10 of that game. So they played really well when it mattered most against Michigan State and Texas Tech. Yesterday, they put it all together against a really well-coached team. That's a great sign going forward for Coach K's bunch. Isn't it funny how that's kind of worked out because – all season long, we talked about the pressure around this Duke team. It's Coach K's last year. They're young. They're going to be nervous. But as you outlined, against Michigan State, that final stretch run, they were terrific. They didn't miss a shot against Texas Tech. They executed really well. It's like it almost felt like the nerves issue was almost kind of a little overblown and that people were forgetting that the other team is also nervous as well. And they also want to win a national title as well. Like there's pressure on the other side, not just on the Duke kids. Right. No, what narratives overblown for the NCAA <laughs> tournament. I, I can't believe it. And I think it, look, that, that also speaks to something else here. And it's mm -hmm. the ACC. Everybody took a dump on the ACC yeah. all season long. Oh, it's a terrible conference. It's a down year, this and that. Three of the last eight teams left standing coming from the ACC. And I'm not saying it's going to work out that way every year, mm. but you know those disrespected teams probably do end up being underrated, undervalued. The Big Ten, right? Everybody loved the Big Ten. I happen yep. to think the Big Ten was overrated. We've seen that play out here in this tournament. So you know, just something for you to keep in mind for the future. It doesn't help you today or tomorrow or next week or anything like that, but something to keep in mind for the future here about those disrespected teams and those disrespected conferences. I mean, we saw it with the Pac-12 last year as well. I mean, the Pac-12, everyone said, oh, this conference is not good. They sent three teams to the Elite Eight, UCLA going to the Final Four as well. And it's almost kind of like the ACC has been the conference to, to take that underdog mentality, take that underdog role here. Uh, the SEC was a, a top two conference in America this season, and they only have, what, like one team or so that was able to get out of that first weekend or get to the uh, Elite Eight. So it's kind of an interesting thing to where – we almost go too far, like you say, with some of these conferences and put too much into that. But also the tournament, it's random happenstance and it's the matchups and how those things kind of work together is what really dictates who ends up advancing in these tournaments here. Because I think for Duke, you mentioned that Davidson might have been a tricky matchup for them, but lucky for them, they didn't have to play Davidson. Right. <laughs> you know, like they got to see Michigan State, which was a more palatable matchup. And I guess the thing that I kind of almost want to talk about is that, like, what lessons can be learned from this Duke run of, like, Okay, conference tournaments are one thing, and we acknowledge that they're money-making machines, but it feels like we always put a lot of emphasis on how teams perform in those conference tournaments versus the season-long data because the talk out of conference championship week was Iowa, Tennessee, these Virginia Tech, these teams that went on those runs, and they were gone first day. Right, and well, I think there's something to be said about that because I liked Virginia Tech in that game against Texas. I really mm. thought the Hokies were playing well. I was not big on Texas throughout most of the season, but – there's something to be said about getting knocked out early and not having to play. You know, if you're already in the NCAA tournament and all it's going to do for you in the conference tournament is increase your seed line, maybe you're better off having some time off. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're better off not playing three games in three days, four games in four days, something like that. Some teams are able to ride that wave into the first round. Others are not. Virginia Tech is one example. They were terrible in that game against Texas. And so I think that, you know, look, if you get knocked out early, I don't really think it's that big of a problem, especially if talent's going to win out and talent has won out here with Duke. By the way, to your point real quick about the SEC, my bracket was shot very early on because I had a lot of SEC teams moving on fairly deep into the tournament. I liked Alabama to get to the Sweet 16, mm -hmm. like Tennessee to get, you know, pretty deep into the tournament, maybe even get to the Elite Eight. But I overrated the SEC. 
you know, and, and I think that's something that's really important, you know, with the metric sites and all those different types of things, all the adjusted efficiency numbers are based on strength of schedule, quality of competition, all of that. When you play against really good teams all the time, it's going to bump up your strength of schedule, your adjusted efficiency metrics, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're that great of a team when you step outside the conference. That's what we saw with the SEC. That's what we saw with the Big Ten. Maybe this is kind of an interesting you know, statement that the ACC is making here. Yeah, it's interesting because Coach K said it after the ACC tournament that's like, my guys are tired. And I think everybody kind of rolled their eyes. Oh, here's K making an excuse once again. But maybe they were tired and they didn't get the rest because they went all the way to the ACC tournament championship. But maybe that break afterwards is really what they needed to kind of reset and recoup and then kind of go on this run right now. Because at BetMGM, the Duke Blue Devils are the favorites now to win the national title, plus 175 here. And it's interesting because Kansas is the one seed on the other side. They play today against Miami. Houston was the favorite heading into yesterday. They lose to Villanova here. Do you, do you think this Duke team is going to end up getting this done here, or do you think they could trip up in a maybe? I mean, the Final Four, they're going to be a big favorite against whoever they play, but they could face a Villanova team. They could place Kansas, or maybe Miami has something to say as well. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, at this point in time, it's probably Duke-Kansas in the finale just because Villanova has that Justin Moore injury that's definitely mm -hmm. going to impact them quite a bit. Duke should beat the winner of North Carolina-St. Peter's. I, I think at this point, while we're all kind of tired of the Coach K love fest and we love the St. Peter's storyline, the idea of Duke and North Carolina playing for oh my the God. first time in the NCAA tournament I is, is outstanding <laughs> theater. So, you know, I'm kind of rooting for them to play North Carolina, and obviously they've got that revenge spot from the regular season finale. I am rooting. Speaking of narratives, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, right. Speaking of narratives, <laughs> once we got to the Sweet 16, I was like, give me Duke Carolina in the, in the Final Four. Just because, like, that will be a fantastic game for college basketball. I'm sure there are people outside of Tobacco Road who are sick of it, but it's the best. I think it's the best rivalry in sports. Like, not just college basketball. I think in all of sports, Duke, North Carolina. And to have it in the Final Four would be phenomenal since these teams have never met in the NCAA. A tournament, but there's still games to be played today, so we'll see how that unfolds. On the other side, we'll discuss Nova going to the Final Four once again. Best program in America, in my opinion. I'll ask Adam. It's Ben and Cross America. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. Alright, let's face it, most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. 
There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Thank you for also choosing VEASAN here. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Bebfe alongside Adam Burke here talking Elite Eight in the men's NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, Duke punched their ticket to the Final Four by defeating Arkansas. We also saw Villanova, surprise, surprise, Jay Wright and the Wildcats in the Final Four. They defeated Houston 50-44 to in what was a gem of a basketball game. Wildcats went outright as three-point underdogs. The game surprisingly went under the total of 127. It's Jay Wright's now his fourth Final Four appearance. I called them the best program in America right before we went to break there. I'm curious to get your thoughts, but this Villanova team here we are again it's an even year and they're back in the national semifinals yeah I don't know about best but probably most consistent at this Mm -hmm. point in time especially when you talk about the NCAA tournament and and the thing about it is too I mean Jay Wright has had a ton of talent go through this program and it seems like there's never really a significant downturn for them you know it's just always whether he brings in guys that fit his system well or he just knows how to maximize talent whatever the case may be uh this is definitely one of the elites in the nation to be sure and uh Look, you know, we were kind of talking about it before the break or during the break there. They made 15 shots from the floor in that game against Houston, and here they are advancing to the Final Four. Yeah, it's really just – and I, I was joking about how it was a gem of a basketball game. It was a rock fight, to say the least. And Houston went one of 20 from three-point range there. And credit Villanova for their defensive effort in that game. And also I think the big thing was their rebounding and keeping Houston off the glass at least in the first half. Houston got to those offensive rebounds in the second half, but their ability to kind of limit Houston to one possession in the first half is why you saw the Cougars 
Cougars with only 20 points after 20 minutes of play here. Like, the game planning and the execution from this team, their ability to not make mistakes, I admittedly have been very low on Villanova. Like, not low as I thought they were like a fraud, but I just didn't think their ceiling was national title good. And that remains to be seen. They still have a couple more games to play if they want to get to that point. But... I didn't see a Final Four run coming from this version of Villanova. This, I mean, Wright's won titles in 2016, 2018. He's taken other teams to Final Fours. I think this team is the worst one that he's brought to a Final Four, and that's credit to the coaching in that program. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I came into the tournament a little bit sour on Villanova as well just because mm-hmm. they they feel very dependent on Colin Gillespie. And yeah. Colin Gillespie was not particularly healthy in the second half of the season, kind of came limping into the tournament a little bit. Now we'll kind of see what happens with them because I mentioned in the first step, in the first block there with the injury to Justin Moore, who's mm-hmm. clearly the second best player on this team, certainly the second best offensive player on this team. Gillespie seems like he's banged up a little bit still, maybe operating a little bit less than 100. percent You know, but as you said, I mean, this is not you know the the team that had multiple NBA players on it that he's had yeah. in the past. I, Gillespie's probably an NBA player. I, I don't necessarily know if too many of these other guys are going to have extended careers in the association, but. Here they are, because Jay Wright is that good. And look, I will say, I I guess maybe we should give some credit to everybody else in the Big East. There's really, you know, maybe Georgetown and and DePaul are kind of easy games day in and day (laughs) out. But other than that, a lot of these teams are very feisty, very scrappy, very difficult to play against. And maybe that helps Villanova. You know, the fact that Jay Wright kind of has a bulldog mentality with his team. They win a lot of those close games. I mean, they were 10 and four in close games here this season so far. Maybe they end up with a couple more here in the NCAA tournament. But I think to your point, you know, Jay Wright, just whether he's got a ton of talent or he doesn't, he gets the most out of those kids in that program. Getting the most out of them is one of the things that they do best because they don't turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. They're 29th in the country in terms of turnover percentage on offense over on Ken Palm. And they are on pace to be the best free throw shooting team, not just this year, but in the history of college basketball. As a team, Villanova shoots 83% from the charity stripe. We talk about free. For them, it is free. That You can put those two. When you see a Villanova guy go to the line, just add two points to the score total there. And it makes them so valuable in these games when they have a lead. Let's say they're up by four with a minute left. It's like, it feels like it's like a 10-point lead just because of how well they shoot the ball from the free throw line. And then they don't turn the ball over on top of that. Like, they don't beat themselves. And I had questions of, can you just not beat yourself and win a title? Can like, can you? Do you have to do more than that? But so far, they've been able to do just not beating themselves, and here they are in this spot where they're two wins away from another national championship. You mentioned the Moore injury. How do you think that impacts them now with him out there? Because he's probably their second best player. Gillespie's banged up already, so Moore was taking on even more of a load there. Now it's, it feels like it's going to be all on Samuels, who's done a great job in this tournament, but eventually they're just going to be so shorthanded now that they're in the final four. Yeah, absolutely. I would say this. If they had a quick turnaround with one off day, I'd fade them. Mm-hmm. But they have all week to figure this thing out. And as we've already talked about and praised Jay Wright extensively here and deservedly so, he's got time to figure this thing out now. So, you know, look, I will say one thing. I, regardless of who they end up playing here, they play at one of the slowest tempos in the country. And now they don't have more. They don't have one of their creators on offense. I would expect them to slow down even more. I don't know. Is that possible? <laughs> I, I mean, I, it may have to be. You know, I, look, that's the thing I really love about Jay Wright is he's been with this program forever. Mm-hmm. He's played at a fast pace. He's played at a slow pace. He's played at an average tempo. Kind of speaks to what we're talking about, about, you know, tailoring his philosophy to the team that he has. I think they slow down even more if it's possible for them. 
But look, you know, they, they won't be able to do as much in transition. I don't even know if they'll try to necessarily. They probably slow down quite a bit here. And so, look, you give a great coach, you know, five days to figure it out. Mm -hmm. He'll figure something out to whatever degree he can. But I also think, too, that, you know, now they have to change their style of play even a little bit more. So, you know, that's something I, I'm going to try to watch for here. And, of course, we'll see who they end up playing. Yeah, Nova right now at BetMGM plus 350 to win the national title. You feel like that would probably be shorter if they didn't have the injury there with Justin Moore. I want to ask you this because the line is going to open for the Final Four game shortly after whatever happens in Kansas, Miami. It'll be probably before the tip-off of North Carolina and St. Peter's. So when that line opens, let's say they're playing Kansas. Nova's probably going to be a short dog, I'd imagine. But it might be even bigger than we think, though, because of that Justin Moore injury and everybody saw it. Could you see this maybe being Kansas by three, somewhere around that range? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Kansas by three, maybe even three and a half. It also mm -hmm. sort of depends, too. And I know you were talking about this on Twitter yesterday, and I give you full props for that. Bill Self's teams are not great as a favorite in the NCAA yes. tournament. So if they come out and play really tight today, have all kinds of problems with Miami, maybe we get a two and a half, something like that. If they come out and play really well and the game is, you know, pretty much in hand for them throughout, maybe that's when we get a three. I don't think we touch three and a half, but it is a possibility just because, you know, look, I mean, they, they just scored 50 points. They just made 15 shots from the floor <laughs> and they just lost a big offensive piece. So, you know, to me, I'd be really curious to see what the total would be for Villanova Kansas game because Kansas will push the pace if they want to. I think as I said, I think Villanova wants to really slow this game down. It's almost one of those things that like if you like let's say Kansas wins. Well, no disrespect to Miami. We're going to have Haley Sutton from NBC6 Miami here joining us in about 20 minutes. So we're going to get to the Canes, but let's theoretically put Kansas into the final four here and play the hypothetical game. At open, it feels like if you want to bet Kansas, you got to do it immediately. Mm -hmm. Because I, I almost feel like this is one-way traffic just because of the Justin Moore injury. Now, nothing has been reported as of now. We can only go off what we saw on TV yesterday. But at some point during the week, you're going to get the notification, Justin Moore out for the Final Four. And then you're going to get that steam of Kansas. So it's like, if you like Kansas, you got to do it like this afternoon in that game if Kansas beats Miami. Yeah, I, I think so. But at the same time, I mean, I'm surprised to see Miami money coming in today. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really That's... am. I, I don't know if there's some sort of anti-Kansas sentiment out there in the marketplace. I think it's anti-self. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> and look, I mean, they're going to be favored over Villanova. Mm. I mean, there, there's no question about that. They are going to be favored. It will be a shorter number than this one. And obviously, too, you know, you start talking about five and a half, six. We're talking about some relatively important numbers in college basketball, the NBA, et cetera, because of falling when teams stop falling, you know, all that kind of thing. So maybe this number is just kind of a little bit uncomfortable for people. Would Kansas minus three be something that people like a little bit more? You know, one possession game where you do have a Villanova team that's, you know, probably not going to be great offensively. They could be. Who knows? It mm -hmm. kind of all depends on how Gillespie shoots from the outside. But I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about is regardless of, of who wins this Miami-Kansas game, what is the perception of Villanova pro post Justin Moore? Yeah, that that's the thing that I'm really fascinated to see what the betting market does when the game opens up. Because if even if they play Miami and the Villanova will be favored in that game, it, they might not be favored by as many points as people think just mm -hmm. because of that Justin Moore injury and everybody seeing that on national TV. And that's one of the things also that if you want to bet on Villanova, let's say you want to bet against Villanova, like don't do it because Justin Moore got hurt because right. that's, we all saw it. We all know it. It's that's priced big, in. It's priced into yeah. the number there. You got to come with something more than Justin Moore injured. So I'm going to fade Villanova here. But if you like Villanova, I almost suggest waiting. 
and seeing if you can get a better number and see if maybe that steam comes in on Kansas or comes in on Miami there. And you might get Villanova as a cheap favorite, or you could get him at an inflated underdog because Jay Wright with that time to prepare, like you mentioned, it's a whole week that I think Villanova could be a play on team. If they're a dog as a favorite, uh, might maybe may look at the total as maybe let's go under that total of 120 or whatever, whatever it might end up being with the Villanova Wildcats, but interesting stuff. Nonetheless, there with Villanova once again in the final four, as much as madness as we get here are the Wildcats in the final four under Jay Wright for a fourth time on the other side. We'll see who can punch their ticket from the East region, St. Peter's or North Carolina. The winner will face Duke. We'll talk about it here. It's BAA presented by BetMGM. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. The KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer like this show, baby. That's why it's finger looking good. I ordered the KFC chicken sandwich today. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Bebfe alongside Adam Burke here on this Elite Eight Sunday. And let's get into today's slate there. Duke Villanova into the Final Four next Saturday in New Orleans. Two other teams will join them this afternoon. And the nightcap game or the late evening game, we should say, is St. Peter's. Everyone's favorite Peacock, the Cinderella story of the NCAA tournament. The first time a 15 seed has reached the Elite Eight. They're taking on Blue Blood, North Carolina, although North Carolina has been in the underdog role as of late as an eight seed. They're laying eight and a half biggest favorite of the round, which is crazy to me. Total 137 and a half. Your first thoughts here on the Peacocks and Tar Heels. You know, my, my first thoughts here, actually, St. Peter's, so we all knew they were good defensively, mm-hmm. right? And, and I love to look at the low and mid-major conferences. It's something I do throughout the regular season. So I was very much aware of this St. Peter's team throughout the year. Thought they'd be in line for some positive aggression on two-point percentage. That's happened here over the last eh, four weeks or so. The thing that's amazing to me, so they played Kentucky, Murray State, and Purdue. points per possession against Kentucky, 1.097 against Murray State, 1.038 against Purdue. They've scored over a point per possession against Kentucky, Murray State, and Purdue (laughs) as a terrible offensive team throughout the regular season. That's been the most impressive thing to me about this St. Peter's run. We knew they'd be feisty. We knew they'd be scrappy. Mm -hmm. We knew they'd play really good defense. Their offense has seemingly come out of nowhere in this tournament, and it's been remarkable to watch. It's almost like an out-of-body experience for St. Peter's offensively. I mean, I was the Yahoo that uh, laid the points with Kentucky in the first round. There's 17 and a half as my Wildcats. I figured we're going to win the national title, and you know what? They lose in the first round to St. Peter's, but the fact that... You know what? I did have St. Peter's in that game because I'm like, oh, this is going to be... I should have called you before I made that bet. (laughs) I was like, this is going to be a slow-paced game. They're going to slow it down. It's probably going to be like a you know, 74 to 60 type of game, 74, 62, something like that. They just went ahead and scored 85 points. It, it was nuts. It's, it's insane. What they, and the credit to Shaheen Holloway, who's going to be the coach there for not much longer whenever this run ends for the Peacocks. He's likely going to go to Seton Hall is what the reports are suggesting there, but they might not be able to afford him if he wins another game here. But St. Peter's, this story and their defense, you outlined that earlier, seventh in the country in defensive effective field goal percentage. Like that is absolutely terrific there, regardless of whatever conference that you play in. This team, 15th in the country in defending the three-point line. At 12 in defending two-point shots. And when you think about what North Carolina does really well, it's shooting the ball from outside. Well, if St. Mary's can defend that and they play up on them and really kind of get into their shorts, essentially, 
maybe Carolina struggles to win by margin. You know, it's like, I think Carolina will win this game, but this Carolina team is so volatile and they've been in the underdog role over the last couple games. Now they blew out Marquette as a favorite there in the first round, but when they played Baylor and when they played UCLA, they got to be the underdogs and Carolina as a dog, I love them. Like I bet money on, on Carolina, both Baylor and against UNC, or rather against UCLA, but now that they're the favorite, I don't think I want anything to do with this team. And I get why the market's resisting St. Peter's, but I cannot get there with North Carolina in this role when they're so volatile. What I think is really interesting about the line for this game is North Carolina is playing extremely well. We all knew that Purdue was a very flawed team. Purdue is a very good offensive team and a very bad defensive team, a team whose adjusted efficiency metrics were propped up because they played against the Big Ten Big schedule. 10, yep. They played a really good strength of schedule. Purdue was laying 13. North Carolina is laying eight and a half. Yeah. I mean, this is a significant market adjustment, I think, to St. Peter's, to the amount of backing they've received out there in the marketplace. They really burned the books in that game against Purdue because public betters were all over St. Peter's. It was National ahead. Peacock Day. Right. They were taking the money line on National Peacock Day. Exactly. <laughs> this feels to me like a little bit of an over-adjustment. Hmm. But also, as you said, I think it's very hard to lay this big of a number with North Carolina, especially because the the bread and butter for St. Peter's is still that defense. You know, the, the offense could run out really, I think, at any time. But that defense is still likely to be very good. The other thing I'm wondering about here is and, and maybe this is something we need to think about more for future NCAA tournaments. Baylor, right? I thought Baylor was the most vulnerable number one seed by far. North Carolina does beat them, although they made it much harder than they had to. <laughs> Scott Drew has failed many times over in the NCAA tournament before getting over that hump last year. Yep. They, there was something wrong with that team. They were kind of flawed. UN, the UCLA, I did not think was a flawed team at all. I thought Marquette was. I thought UCLA was a very good team, a Final Four team, national championship, championship contending team. And for a while, that game was very, very even. And then all of a sudden, North Carolina kind of took over in the last few minutes. The big save and the out-of-bounds play yep. and all of that. You know, I, I just sort of wonder here with North Carolina – level of consistency do we see from them in this game? And second, is Hubert Davis that good of a head coach? Because Shaheen, Shaheen Holloway has obviously proven to be one. That coaching matchup is really intriguing in this game. Yeah, North Carolina, it's they're the Jekyll and Hyde team of this college basketball season. I mean, they have top five talent. I mean, Caleb Love is a five-star guy. R.J. Davis, another highly touted guy. Armando Baycott, a highly touted guy. One of the best players in the ACC. Brady Manick coming from Oklahoma as a transfer. He was terrific with the Sooners. Has been really good for the Tar Heels now. And it's it's never been a question of talent. It's just been a question of like putting it together for North Carolina. And I don't know if something clicked for them in that win in Cameron Indoor Stadium in Coach K's final game at home. But ever since then, I know they lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament, but the Hokies were just on fire that whole tournament. But ever since that Duke second half, it felt like something flipped for North Carolina here. And we're seeing them live up to some of this hype of the talent that they, that Roy Williams left behind there last year. And, as good as they can be, they can also be <laughs> really bad. And the really bad is what we saw in the second half against Baylor in that game. And that's why I kind of – I took the points with St. Peter's. I took plus eight and a half here just because – I just think that the really bad is eventually going to show up for this team. I get they've been playing better now, but eventually it's going to show up. And in a game where St. Peter's is going to slow the tempo down, they're going to defend. I think eight and a half is just, I get the adjustment that you talked about there, but I think it's just still too many points here for this Tar Heels team to be laying as a favorite. I just, from what I've seen, they turn the ball over. They're a little careless sometimes with the basketball. I just don't see that a team that can cover a number like that in a big spot like this. 
A few points to make here about North Carolina. One of them is, so they lost nine games during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Only one was by six or fewer points. I mean, they got blown out multiple times. Miami beat them by 28. Wake Forest beat them by 22. They had some really awful performances. And that kind of skewed their metrics, skewed their numbers a little bit. So maybe they did come into the tournament a little bit underrated Mm -hmm. because they didn't have the quote-unquote good losses. You know, everyone talks about good losses for the selection committee. They didn't have them. When they lost, they got beaten, and they got beaten badly. The second thing, a great point that you brought up, Femi, the pace war in this game. North Carolina wants to push the tempo. They're top 40 team in adjusted tempo. St. Peter's does not want to get into a run-and-gun game with North Carolina. That is not something they want to do, despite their increased offensive output here throughout the NCAA tournament. So are they able to do that? And that speaks to Shaheen Holloway, his ability to coach. Maybe he is able to slow North Carolina down, frustrate the Tar Heels in this game, because North Carolina does not force turnovers. They're 349th in the country against Division I opponents in turnover percentage. So St. Peter's, if they want to take the air out of the ball, they can. And if they have success with that, that certainly frustrates North Carolina quite a bit. I actually played the over in this game, over 136 and a half, just because I think St. Peter's gets caught up in the moment and does run a little bit more with North Carolina than they want to. Maybe that's the first half overplay. Maybe they make the second half adjustment. But I do feel like St. Peter's here, offensively, there is something to this. There is something to the chemistry that they have when they have the basketball. And I think North Carolina just athletically is very hard to stop regardless of opponent. So I did play the over here in this game, which is obviously a little bit scary, but yeah, that was the the play that I made here. Kind of more of a fun money bet just because I think yeah. this is a very hard game to handicap. Yeah, and the market agrees with you there with that total. Um, I mean, we're seeing 137.5 right now being the consensus, but I'm seeing some 138s in the town here in Las Vegas. So you have market agreement on the over there. The market doesn't really de- agree with me. It doesn't disagree. It's sitting at 8.5 still. So it's interesting to see how the side has just hung out there. Uh, John Ewing, our friend over at BetMGM, puts out the betting splits every morning, and he put this one out and said, 65% of bets on the Peacocks, but only 44% of the handle. 56% of the money there is on the Tar Heels in this game. So that big money on North Carolina, I get it. And eventually that this St. Peter's run is going to die off. And like, I don't think they're going to win the national title. Breaking news here. But but eventually. How incredible would that be? I mean, yeah, clip that for and send it to Jersey City if they end up pulling that off. But it just shows that. While people love this St. Peter's team, they've become kind of the quote-unquote public dog. I mean, I don't really like that term anyways, but that's kind of what they've become here. And the fact that the line is still just hanging out there at eight and a half probably tells you that the sharp money, quote-unquote, or the respected betters are either passing or backing North Carolina in this game here. But I just can't get there with this Tar Heels team laying eight and a half. You mentioned the turnovers, and that's one thing I try to look at with teams as favorites. If you can't generate those extra possessions – it's that much harder to win by margin. And if North Carolina can't do that, I think they might be in trouble and might be in a closer game than they think. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. That's something that's very, very true. Anytime that you're looking at a favorite, you have to think to yourself, are they able to create margin, whether it's by forcing turnovers or mm-hmm. by creating extra possessions in the game by pushing the tempo. And that, that again, speaks to you know the, the importance, I think, in this game of who is able to dictate the tempo. If it's St. Peter's, not only do the eight and a half points look good, uh, they definitely have a chance at the end. Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> can you imagine a 15 seed? And it will be the only David versus Goliath. Coach K playing St. Peter's in the final four in his last season. <laughs> Coach K versus Shaheen Holloway in the final four. But St. Peter's has a hurdle to climb, and it's the North Carolina Tar Heels. That game tips off over at 2 o'clock Pacific time. On the other side, Haley Sutton, NBC6 Miami, talking Canes on the other side.
smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Make your first wager and win big during BetMGM's March matchups. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any college tournament game. And if any team hits a three-pointer during the tournament, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code MM200 when you register. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses or converted into comps at MGM Resorts. Sign up today and use code MM200 to win $200 if any team hits a three 
three during BetMGM's March matchups. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Boy, it's a good thing that Houston and Villanova aren't playing again. Otherwise, this might be in doubt. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi and Bebefe alongside Adam Burke here. And we've been talking about these Elite Eight games. And the one we haven't touched on yet is Miami and Kansas. And to help us get ready for this game, we bring in Haley Sutton, sports anchor over at NBC6 in Miami. Haley, we appreciate you joining us here on Betting Across America. Good to see you. Got to start off with this Hurricanes team. They're a 10 seed. They've knocked off USC, Auburn, and Iowa State. Just how did the Canes get here? Man, aren't they a fun team to watch? I've heard so many people say just over passing time, like Miami is their team. Miami is the team that they want to go far because they're so much fun to watch. And you ask, you know, how they get here. Their team is like a family. They talk about it all the time. The team chemistry is so important. As a former athlete myself, I can echo those sentiments when you're playing with guys who you feel comfortable with on the court, it makes playing that sport that much better. And let's be honest, when you have coach Jim Laranega as your head coach, it, it's hard to not want to be good for him. So this is a team that plays really well together. They mesh really well together um, and they got a lot of fight. And I think that those things, you know, amplify the fact that they're also a very good basketball team. Haley, we were talking about it a little bit earlier on that, you know, there was no respect for the ACC throughout the course of the college basketball season. Here they are with three teams in the Elite Eight. What do you make of that? I mean, are these teams just getting hot at the right time, or what do you think is happening with the conference as a whole? Man, SEC who am I, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Coming uh, coming from a place where I, you know, I was covering Auburn and Alabama just a few months ago. Um, It it is weird that there's no more SEC teams. There's, you know, the ACC is – powering through but one of my favorite sayings is uh you know it's not how you start it's how you finish and i think a lot of these acc teams are really taking that to heart they're peaking at the right time uh and they're playing good basketball so i think you kind of have to put a little bit more respect on this conference and and what they bring to the table we're speaking with Haley Sutton, sports anchor over at NBC6 in Miami. You mentioned Jim Laranega, probably the best coach that doesn't get talked about enough. Could be the first coach to take two double-digit seeds to the Final Four. Did it back with George Mason, now has a chance to do it here with the Hurricanes. Do the Hurricanes in this matchup have the coaching edge, in your opinion? Oh, gosh, that's tough because when you're talking about a guy like Bill Self, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful. But uh, in my short time that I've been here in Miami, the one thing that has been a constant is that Jim Laranega is the guy. And he's not the guy because he's not flashy. You know, he's not in your face, you know, like some of these other guys are. He just gets it done. He has a track record. He knows what works. You mentioned him taking, you know, this is his second double digit seed tongue twister to say, but you know, he's, he's done this before he's been here before. Um, he's not a guy who's gonna, you know, like try and talk big numbers with you. He is a proven guy who's been in this business for a while. He knows what works. He knows how to get guys who want to buy into his system. And like I said earlier, it's hard to not fall in love with him. I mean, like, look at how he's acting after the games. He's <laughs> doing his little dances the other day. He was yesterday. He was excited because he got his first pair of Yeezys. Like <laughs> he's a guy that you just, 
you just want to hug him and squeeze him. But also when he's coaching and you see how he's interacting with his players, you see, you know, in his post-game interviews when he's hugging on guys like Cam McGusty who have bought into this program and bought into the idea that they're going to be something great. I mean, it just goes to show that it's not always about being, you know, the coach K's or, you know, whoever it is, John Calipari's of the league. Like you can be a little bit more subtle and still be just as effective. Haley, one of the things that we've been talking or that we started talking about a little bit during the break and we'll kind of focus on a little bit more here as we go throughout the show, the total has fallen quite a bit on this game. Opened in the 149 range, down to 145. You've got a Kansas team that plays at a top 75 tempo, a Miami team that's a little bit above average in terms of their pace. So the total coming down for this one, kind of the expectation of a lower scoring game. How do you see this game playing out? I mean, do you think this is a high scoring offensive affair or do you feel like maybe defense kind of wins the day? I think maybe defense wins the day. Um, I think at least in the tournament, Miami has kind of shown that defense is their, their strong suit. Um, so I think that, you know, that's from the Miami standpoint, I think um, you're not going to see a lot of points. I mean, they're not averaging, you know, a hundred points a game or whatever it is. Uh, but I think what they are good at is forcing turnovers. I think they had 14 turnovers against Iowa state. Um, they're very good in transition basketball as well. So, you know, I don't really see it playing out as something that's going to be a super high scoring affair. Cause, but at the same time, you know, you have to give Kansas their credit too. So um, I'm just excited. I think that this is a really good matchup. I think this is what March is all about having, you know, these teams that are unexpectedly going against the giants uh, that, you know, that is Kansas. So um, yeah, I'm just really excited. Yeah, this Miami Hurricanes team, they were number one in the ACC in forcing turnovers this year in conference play. So that goes to show you how they've been able to cause that havoc there on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I'm curious because every time we talk about these games, I'm always trying to find a game script that can benefit either team here. And you mentioned that how this is going to kind of be a grinded out game. What does this game have to look like on offense for Miami to be able to pull off this upset here as their five and a half point underdogs at our show sponsor, BetMGM? Well, there's no secret that this Miami team relies on their starting five, right? Cam McGusty, Sam Wardenberg, Jordan Miller, Charlie Moore, Isaiah Wong. Those five guys have been the core of this team. And while a lot of times I think it's important to have that bench support, I think for Miami, it's kind of the opposite, right? You want these guys who are operating at all levels. Uh, I mean, just take a look at Isaiah Wong's tournament so far. Didn't have the best game against Iowa State, but previously, you know, dropped two 20-digit performances against, you know, two very high-caliber teams. And one thing that really stands out about Miami as well is that every time they're on offense, they're going to shoot the ball. They shoot the ball nearly every single possession. And so I think the key for Miami is, you know, stay true to Miami basketball, stick to those five guys. Are they going to be tired? Absolutely. But I think that the building blocks, the game plan of this team is relying on that top five, because at any given moment, if let's say Isaiah Wong isn't having his best game, that's okay. Cam McGusty steps up and drops a, you know, game best 27 in the biggest game of the season for the Canes. So really relying on that top five. And of course you mix in your, your bench players too, to get them the rest that they need. Um, but I think what's really been impressive is, is just how well of a starting five the Canes have. All right, Haley, we got to put you on the record here now. I mean, we're going to need a prediction for today's game. Miami five and a half point underdogs taken on Kansas. Can the Hurricanes do it again and punch their ticket to the final four? I hate these questions because then I'm going to end up being on like the freezing cold take. We're, we're going to clip it too. <laughs> uh, you know what? 
I, I love March because these type of situations always happen. I mean, just look at St. Peter's and what they have been able to accomplish. And now I think everybody is a Peacock fan. So at the end of the day, I absolutely think Miami could win this basketball game today. I think if they come out, they play hot, they do the things that they do well on, on defense, force those turnovers, score in transition. I think Kansas you know, gets a run for their money. I, uh, you know, so I'm going to bet on the Canes here. I'm taking the underdog. I'm big underdog person. Um, so I, I think I take the Canes in this one and it would be fun to also get to go to New Orleans with them. So (laughs) (laughs) Haley, we got Duke and Villanova that have already punched their tickets to the final four. We'll see what happens with Miami, Kansas, and of course, St. Peter's, North Carolina. Who do you think wins the national championship? Ah, well, to be honest, I had Auburn winning the national championship. Uh-oh. So uh, I feel like I'm not like the best person to ask that question because my bracket was immediately busted um, on the first day. But I think when you look at it, um, I, I think it would, you know, the fan in me wants it to be Duke. You know, I think just the storybook ending, the the potential of Duke getting a rematch against UNC in the final four, punching their ticket to the championship and sending Coach K, a guy who has been so so important to the game of college basketball for him to go out with that honor. Um, That's kind of what I'm rooting for. And I think they have the manpower to do it. So if I'm going to say anybody, I would say Duke. She is Haley Sutton, sports anchor at NBC6 in Miami. If the Hurricanes win, you'll see her on Bourbon Street. Just kidding. Maybe we'll see what happens. (laughs) All right, Haley, have fun the rest of the day and uh, all the best. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Haley. (laughs) Um, Good stuff there from Haley. I think the point about the intangibles factor, and we'll get into that later on as we talk about this uh, Elite Eight games, but that's the thing that I think that sometimes gets overlooked by the betting market. She talked about Jim Larinaga, how this team has this family-esque type of vibe here. We've seen it a little bit there with St. Peter's and the Peacocks. These are things that the market can't quantify that they keep overperforming in terms of the expectations, and that's what makes March March. On the other side, hour number two, we started with our road to the draft. We're Rocky Mountain High talking Denver Broncos here on VEASAN. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 